Next Chapter Podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talking the 500 until the end. Talking the 500 until the end. With my man JM. On the 500. Talking the 500 until the end. I mean, this will get in your head. This will sit there. This will nestle in, make you feel good, make you want to go to Japan because the song is called Discovering Japan. It's by Graham Parker and the rumor from the 1979 album. Hey, that was the year I was born. Squeezing out sparks. It's number 334 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. Hey, that's me. That's me. Sup, Lack of Dogs. Sup, Fleece Army. We lost one of the greats, and we were lucky enough to have him on the podcast, uh, the one and only Bob Saget. I know everybody um, has been posting about it. Um, I implore everybody to go back and listen to episode 391. I think it came out December 2020. Uh, where me and Bob Saget talked about Jackson Brown's The Pretender, which, if you don't remember, I mean, it's a heavy record. And Bob was open, honest, uh, he was present, loving, funny, very sweet, talked about his sister, talked about life, talked about death, and it's a it's a beautiful, beautiful episode. It was something that I'm very, very proud of. We did about an hour and a half, and it's, it's great. Um... So all the links to that episode are on our website, the500podcast.com. I think you can find it on there. Uh, I posted about it on my Instagram, at Josh Adam Myers. But um, I know we say it all the time when we lose somebody. It's like, just tell everybody that you love that you love them. Everybody that you care about. Because you never know how much longer you'll have them. I, I was not good friends with Bob. I'm not saying he was a homie, but I'm not saying he was a homie supreme. Um... 
But man, it's 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 just like you know, you grow up with somebody, you watch them on television and Full House, and I was a really big uh, America's Funniest Home Videos fan. I mean, this is before YouTube. I still love watching people get hurt. I loved that show. I loved him, and he was so funny and and just such a nice guy. So you know, look at his, uh, watch his work, uh, listen to the episode. Just you know, just smother yourself in Bob Saget material because he deserves it. It's like we lost a real, real legend. Uh, join our Patreon. Uh, your support the show really helps. Uh, $5 or more, whatever. Just whatever you can give, man. Patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast. We need your help. We need your help because we're broke. Let's talk about Graham Parker and the rumors. So I had never heard this record before. I had never heard of him. Uh, my guest, Adam Carolla, did remind me that he was in the movie This Is 40. Uh, I, you know, And I texted Judd Apatow about it, and he was just opened up about how much he loved Adam Carolla, not Adam Carolla. <laughs> he loved Adam Carolla too, but I mean, he loved Graham Parker. Uh, so this was a new experience. This was a dope thing, and we got a dope guest. Adam Carolla from Loveline, The Man Show, from the Adam Carolla Show podcast, uh, where he holds the Guinness Book of World Records for most downloaded podcasts. Is that true? I think Rogan probably has that everybody beat right now. And you can check out his new comedy series of specials, Truth Yeller, for the Daily Wire at dailywire.com backslash Adam. Uh, Carol is a, is a fan of Graham Parker. We deep, deep, deep dive into this shit. Rate, review, and subscribe to The 500 and listen free on all platforms. If you're on Apple, give us a review and five stars. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com so you can send us your songs so we can play them at the end. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. Where am I going to be? January 20th through the 23rd, I will be at the House of Comedy in Plano, Texas. Uh, that's really close to Dallas, Fort Worth. So you're out there. I want to see you at the shows. And then uh, February 24th, I will be at the House of Comedy in Arizona, and then I will be in Aspen in March at some comedy festival. And March 9th, I will be in Snowmass, Colorado, uh, doing shows at some theater there. And uh, and then in April, well, there's a big announcement coming soon, and we got a bunch of festivals on the books. It's going to be a fun 2022. Happy New Year to everybody. All right, let's get to it, guys. Here we go with number 334 out of 500 with Squeezing Out Sparks by Graham Parker and Daruma. Crazy that this is the album that you want to do out of all the records. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I came up with this, but all right, let's do it. Hey, man, I mean, let's let's dive in right now because I'm not going to lie to you. And I, okay, I have two Adams in here, so, so we'll refer to top dude is ad and and you mr corolla as adam but this is the truth when i saw this on the list and i was like going on this long four-hour drive i was like i gotta listen to this graham parsons record and i was like searching for hours to try to find this graham parsons record and then i finally stopped at a rest stop because i couldn't find it looked it up i was like who the fuck is graham parker this Mm. is the this is the first time i've ever heard of this guy but what's funny is all of the songs i feel like i've heard before yeah, well, Graham Parker, you know, probably a little uh, out of your demo, but uh, English guy. Um, this ro- I think this record came out in 79. Um, it, it's called Squeezing Out Sparks, just so yes. people know. Um, he was uh, what they called the uh, new wave. 
back then. Uh, it was like Graham Parker and the Pretenders and uh, lots of bands like of, of that ilk sort of before the mid 80s stuff where it all kind of turned to junk at a certain point with the kind of synth synth sonic you know flock of seagulls crap don't shit on flock of seagulls bro that there's a place when you need to hear that at a roller rink in like a karate kid type movie if it was limited only to roller rinks i would sign off on flock (laughs) of seagulls were you into that were you like were you it like what were you listening to because you're i mean how old are you do you mind me asking i'm 57 you're 57. Okay, so 1979, I, I was born in November 79. But like, what are you listening to before hearing this band? Are you, I mean, do you get into this band through what I found out is that the rumor worked with The Clash. So I know The Clash are popular. They're cool. Like, how did you discover suddenly Graham Parker? So um, I was always into stuff that was a little, little off the beaten path. I just thought okay. it'd be more interesting to fine you know i it's like i uh, i didn't want to go to domino's i want to find my own pizza parlor on the corner that less people knew about you know i was just always kind of like stuff that was a little bit different i i knew that the bands that were popular at the time you know ario speedwagon and led zeppelin and you know um all these all these big bands that everyone everyone knew about i i i knew i could always hear them i knew they were always on the radio um i i knew that they were always they're kind of ubiquitous they were just sort of everywhere but i thought well who's let's take a little deeper dive like let's let's try to find some artists that are a little off the beaten path yeah and so i grew up in los angeles and los angeles has a radio station called Mm K-Rock and K-Rock, they did that too. They were like, let's see if we can find some of these bands that aren't what you would call sort of mainstream bands. And Graham Parker was one of those guys. And so he was out of England. He was part of that sort of new wavy kind of punk. It was sort of, taking rock licks and kind of speeding them up a little and then putting a little bit of an angry edge on them kind of kind of like the clash and the ramones and you know bands like that maybe blondie those were kind of like bands that were like it was rock but it was not your dad's rock you know it wasn't classic rock but it wasn't full-on punk sex pistols kind of stuff it was like it was a little more melodic but it had the edge and whoever was singing was probably a little bit angry and that's and and i and i liked the stuff and i've always liked graham parker and uh he's always been kind of a you know musicians musician like the guys who really know music always like like for instance uh the only other a huge Graham Parker fan Who? I've ever met in Los Angeles is Judd Apatow. Oh, of he course. Graham Parker. Of course, dude. Of course. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's Jackson Brown. He's Graham Parker, Grandpa, all the Grahams. Any all of the Graham. All the Graham. Parsons, Teddy Graham. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I thought, A, I like this guy and I like this kind of music. And then B, it's kind of my own. Well, yeah. um, everyone else is listening to Sticks. 
I could listen to Graham Parker. And, uh, and also, like, that's what people do. They go, who's Graham Parker? And I go, oh, listen to Graham listen to Graham Parker and they would all like his stuff. So I was like, I I felt, uh, I felt vindicated. No, I couldn't agree with you more, even though I didn't, even though like I had never heard of Graham Parker when I put this on, like, I look, I, 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 it's, it's, it's a style of music that definitely lives in 1979. Yet it's still, there is some stuff that I feel that like, Oh, this there's, you can, I can hear the influences from this record, but it's it's definitely like you said it's that post-punk right at the beginning a new wave kind of like you know has some clash has some of the punk rock stuff and yet it still has that 80s feel uh and it is cool i mean it is really a cool record i do kind of think a lot of the songs sound very very similar um but at the same time, like I said, it's like you listen to this and this takes you back to to that era. So so I mean, you're you're listening to this. What where did you get this record the first time? And like and how did was it just from the K Rock and that's where it lived, or you went out and bought this record? Well, K Rock was playing his second record called the uh, Up Escalator, which came out like a year later. Mm-hmm. And I heard heard some of the songs off of uh, the Up Escalator, and uh, I thought, um, oh, I like this guy. So I got that album. Now I was very poor, and my family was very poor, and you know, buying a record album was like a big ticket item in the Corolla house. Like it's not like yeah. anyone gave me six bucks and told me to go buy it. It was like you had to pick and choose. So I had a friend named Alex who was a year older than me. And he was kind of an interesting, smart guy. And he had Graham, he had a Graham Parker album. He had this album. So I would just go to his house and like, listen to Graham Parker squeezing out sparks, but I don't. And, and then at some point I bought the album, but a friend of mine had this album and I would hang out with him and listen, listen to Graham Parker at his house. Yeah. What, um, like like has the has the relationship with this record like changed over the years have you ever seen him live or anything like that oh yeah i've i've interviewed graham parker a few times i've seen him live more than once and uh this always just falls under the heading of sort of this wasn't his first album maybe this was his third album i'm trying to think now but we got the we got the parker parkerilla yeah before this in 78 and then the next one that you had already mentioned the up escalator so yes yeah, so th- this came, came out march at- 79 up escalators after this one yeah um and i think there's one more before in between parkerilla and this one you can howling wind or something like that i think there's another grand parker album in there somewhere howling wind was 1976 and heat treatment was also 1976 stick it to me 1977 Ah, uh, stick to me. Yeah. Yeah. So he had a few before this one. This is kind of the one that got some more spins and was kind of a breakout for him. Uh, and I was always just a fan. So I've seen him in person. I've interviewed him and uh, talked to Judd Apatow about him for quite a bit. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not so grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love want to love or hate yeah imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that that uh has impacted your life uh and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week so triangulate your speakers think about jumping off the bed singing along dancing like an idiot and listen to extra grind podcast Why haven't I heard of him? Like, I'm, I'm curious why. I mean, I, I understand that, like, you know, there's always all these artists that just kind of come by. You never really get to grab hold of. They might not get into your stratosphere. But for something to be this low on the 500 greatest albums list at number 334, like, I've never heard of Graham Parker. Like, what, like like what like what what like was he popular really during that time because i know you mentioned it was it was like k-rock would play it but k-rock would kind of introduce you to like some of the cooler bands i mean like was was this a popular artist at the time comparatively speaking to what like some of the other bands like because you mentioned like ario speedwagon and sticks which i fucking i love those bands i because you those songs are still played do you know what I mean? Well, you'd you'd have to. It, it all depends where you grew up. Most people didn't have a K Rock in their town growing up. Yeah, they grew up. You know, I can tell you like a a very big uh, Mason Dixon line kind of example, which is please. I grew up in L.A. and I grew up. I shouldn't say grew up, but I, I listened to K-Rock when I, K-Rock was kind of fledgling, ended up being a huge influential rock station or new wave alternative, whatever station. I ended up working for K-Rock at some point, but um, I grew up not hearing any meatloaf songs, right? <laughs> so <laughs> if you were, I have friends that grew up on the East Coast and it was all about meatloaf. Out here, they had bands like X and some of these other bands that nobody had heard of on the East Coast. But if you're a West Coast person, you may have heard of some of these Oingo or early Oingo Boingo. Yeah. You know, Oingo Boingo was around for a long time. X, these other bands were like West Coast bands. And if you're listening to the radio in 1980, in Philadelphia, you'd never hear any Oingo Boingo. But if you were listening out here, you would hear Oingo Boingo. And you, but you would never hear Meatloaf. 
So there's kind of a, a regional thing. So, so Graham Parker, you would know if you grew up maybe in L.A. and maybe about the right time and you listen to K-Rock. But he didn't really get a lot of spins on other radio stations. So, no, not a household name. And no, never, never a, never a big act, but did sell a lot of records, did tour, you know, play big venues, especially in Europe and in England. And, and, and if you know anybody who's a music insider will go, oh yeah, of course we know Graham Parker. Well, how his album was made the top 500, right? This is, this is, and, and it's beat out. I mean, just a couple records that we've done recently in rainbows by Radiohead, which, you know, in a sense transformed the way people got music. Cause they, they charged whatever they, whatever the, the audience wanted to pay for the record and kind right. of were the first people to release something digital. Uh, and then we just did super unknown by Soundgarden, which is arguably one of the greatest, you know, quote unquote grunge records of all time from that era. And then to have, I mean, these lists are, are, are whatever. I mean, but it's always like, it just kind of blows me away where it's like, dude, it's like we Beatles, let it be was like 50 records ago. And then this record is, you know, is ahead of that. So I'm just a little shocked that I've never heard of him. So, so just so, all the listeners have an idea of who Graham Parker is. We have a little breakdown. So the guy's born in East London in 1950. He's a fan of soul in his teenage years, listening to Otis Redding. Then he starts getting into playing clubs, uh, playing soul, Motown and ska. Got his first guitar at 16 and in his early 20s, spent a year in Gibraltar with a psychedelic band called Pegasus. Returns to England in 72. Uh, and continues to pursue his music career. In 74, places an ad in Melody Maker to find some like-minded musicians. Ends up making the connection uh, where he met Dave Robinson, the manager of the defunct, what is this, Brinsley Schwartz Band. Robinson recorded Parker in a small studio above a pub, and soon a backing band was formed known as The Rumor, and it consisted of members from other British pub bands, Brinsley Schwartz, Bob Andrews, Martin Belmont, Andrew Bodner, and Steve Goulding. Uh, the band released three albums. So here we go. Howl and Wind, 76. Heat Treatment, 76. And Stick It To Me in 77, which leads us to today's record. So so I think so it's this, called Stick To Me, stick by to the me, way. Oh, sorry. What did I, wait, sorry. what did I call it? Stick, stick it, it To Me? Yeah, yeah. To Me. Yeah, that sounds more like a hair metal band record. Yeah. You know you gotta come on and stick it to me. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, squeezing out the sparks. I mean, that does kind of sound hair it's metal. Just, it's called squeezing out sparks. What, who wrote, dude? Adam, you wrote this, dude. Not you, Corolla. I, the guy above you in my, <laughs> in my feet. Why did you give me this? I'm just, I'm just fucking this all up. Well, no, it's. I think you're lending authenticity and credence to the statement that you don't know who Graham Parker is. Dude, I have no idea who this dude is, and I'm so sorry. I have listened to the album nine times, though, so I feel like I know the music pretty well. But it's also funny that that this is, you kept talking about at a California radio station, played this record, uh, and yet this dude, it, this is Britpop. I mean, are you mm -hmm. into a lot of British bands? Well, you know, I, I like the clash, you know, I, I, you know, there was a kind of an interesting thing. I never thought about it, but you know, when the Beatles hit, uh, when the Beatles hit big, there ended up being a lot of American bands that ended up being like Beatles bands yeah. that you thought were 
British bands, you know, I don't know, Paul Revere and the Raiders and stuff like that. They had these bands that you listen to some of these mid sixties American bands and you think they're from England because it mm-hmm. became a trend, you know? And when this British, I mean, David Bowie was kind of a part, part of this, but when this sort of British stuff hit in the late seventies and the early eighties, it gave, it gave birth to like the pretenders and the Ramones. Like I thought the pretenders were an English band, you know, but they're not really Mm -hmm. an English band. Chrissy Hines is from Ohio, you know, but they, a lot of them went to England and worked in England and picked up a lot of the flavor of England. And even like the Ramones seemed like a British punk band, you know, back, back in the day. So, there was a weird kind of a secondary British invasion that took place in the late seventies. And uh, guys like Graham Parker were, were part of that. I I mean, I, like I said, I, I hear the, the influences of all the shit that's coming out of England. Uh, I, I mean, this guy's voice, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, if you don't agree, but he's got a very Elvis Costello-y oh, style yeah, we, of singing. Right. Forgot what? about Elvis, forgot yeah. about Elvis Costello. Yes. Elvis right. Costello's what led a lot of that sound and a lot of that temperament. Yeah. This is like, this is just like one long, uh, like pump it up uh elvis costello song but like not taking anything away from this record because i did enjoy it uh so before we go into the little breakdown about this record or should we just read where he's at all right let's read where he's at and then and then i want to get your thoughts on what you're drawn to all right so just so everybody knows because i fucked up all the other titles squeezing out sparks this is his fourth record released march 79 Whereas Park's previous albums were notable for their strong soul influences uh, with many prominent tracks and singles, including a horn section on squeezing out sparks, producer Jack Nietzsche favored a raw sound. Coincidentally, popular punk band, the clash were undergoing a reverse process, trying to expand their musical arrangements. And if that is Sandinista uh, compared to London calling, I completely agree with that. Uh, Therefore, the rumors rhythm and blues session players went to a record, went to record all the, the horn parts in the clash's third and praise record, London calling Parker explained the recording process in an interview saying the album took 11 days to record. It took two days to get the studio working because it only had been used by Acker Bilk, who's a British clarinetist and things like that. The third day we managed to play a song and Jack said, come and listen to this. There was just this big mess coming out. So Jack and I went up to his hotel room and I told him we wanted to get back to fundamentals, but we didn't know how to. I said, Jack, you gotta say what you think. Uh, He was a bit paranoid about criticizing the band. And I said to him, Jack, we're English. We sneer, we're cynical, we're miserable, but we really don't mean it. Summing up the album, Parker stated, squeezing out sparks didn't have as much roots or swing, but there was no horn section on it. The songs were just great. Um, Okay, so that's a little breakdown of of the recording process on this. So I haven't heard the previous stuff. Would you say that the other stuff is more like soul and Otis Redding-y? Uh, yeah, if you find the song, for instance, uh, Heat Treatment. Find us that, uh, Adam. <clears throat> He's looking it up. No, yeah, going. you'll hear a big horn-driven song that's got kind of a kind of a soul 
sort of Motowny, yeah, kind of kind of sound to it, uh, which predated uh, this, and then and then at some point this is getting back to more of a stripped down. I can, I can definitely hear, I mean, the horns are extremely prominent and, and definitely has much more of a swing than this, where I'd say this is much more like, this is like, like we said, like it's Elvis Costello rock, but it's like, you know, still has that punk influence. So, so yeah. what is it, what is it about this record that you're really drawn to? Like, what are, what are you drawn to Graham about? Which songs or which? Whatever. Uh, I mean, just like, I, like, I, what, I, cool I like him. Well, I liked him in that he was like kind of unconventional. His voice was kind of unconventional. Like it wasn't a, a great singing voice, but it was like a unique singing voice. And it was kind of his own, like a, a, a kind of a signature voice. Um, I liked his lyrics. He, he, he was kind of sometimes funny, but kind of pissed off, kind of cynical and uh, had, had, interesting interesting themes like i'm looking up at the list here like if you take a song like nobody hurts you it's like nobody hurts you uh quite like yourself basically it's a song and i'm like yeah he's right like it's yeah. it's he's not singing about some girl he's trying to get back and he's sorry and he found her diary underneath a tree and he started reading about her horse he was like he's just he's delving into some psychological stuff that I always yeah. thought was kind of, kind of interesting, uh, interesting. Yeah. The, what you talked about the girls, I mean, he does, you know, have a, as a song dedicated to all the local girls and that's track two, uh, referring to the girls in his hometown, not the girls in someone else's town. I mean, I can imagine like British pub girls. I mean, they're fucking, they yeah. fucking party dude. Yeah. He's got, <laughs> uh, it, it, Cut number four is called uh, "You Can't Be Too Strong," and it's about abortion. And it's yeah. it's it's if you listen to the lyrics of it, you're like, oh, and you know it's about abortion. It's really heavy. Like, oh my god! So it's he wrote he wrote this uh, in his parents' home after coming home from a reckless Eric concert that that he made a guest appearance in. Parker characterized the song as something that I was just tossed off, and I thought I don't know about this. I mean, this is like for 1979. I mean, let me see if we have anything real interesting about this. So the National Review published their list of the 50 greatest conservative rock songs. This song was at number really? 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It also- I song, never even heard that. I, it's, I mean, what? pull up the lyrics uh, and put them on, on widescreen. Let me see if I could see like, like I want to see- It's a conservative rock song. I mean, that's, that's National Review. Fifty great. I don't know. He goes I don't on know. to say though that it is also the song that is most uh, misinterpreted in his catalog too. I can't. I I don't know much about Graham Parker's politics, but he's a. I think he's progressive guy. Yeah, he lives yeah. in the Bay Area. Yeah, Judd would not be playing his stuff if no. he was like he was like Dan and Newt Gingrich. Newt yeah. Gingrich. Uh, <laughs> 
It's a great song, by the way. Parker said, so here's, so he, so he talked about this song being commonly uh, misinterpreted. Parker said they decided it was an anti-abortion song. And of course it's a much more questioning song than that. It's a deeply emotional song that is not making any rules for anyone at all, but people do see it that way. When you're 16 or 18 or something, you haven't got any money or anything. And the only thing you can think about is God, I only hope she gets rid of it. But I'm not 18 now, and it just makes me think, uh, but when I say you decide what's wrong, I'm not putting any blame on a woman. I'm saying the fact is that a man doesn't have to decide. A woman does. If it's saying anyone is weak, it's the men because they don't feel it. Parker has admitted that the track is based on personal experience. So, yeah, there it is right there. I mean, most you, well, you know this, I mean, from working in the media as well and, and being an artist, it's like your words get misconstrued all the time, you know? Yeah. I never, I, I never took it as a pro or, or against, you know, pro-life or pro-choice. I never took it as pro or against the, the reason I like Graham Parker is he was just writing a song about abortion like about what that was, mm -hmm. you know, which is everyone tries to force you into taking a stand like, oh, you're going to have an opinion about abortion. So what is it? Is it pro-choice or is it pro-life? And he's just going, I'm just writing a song about abortion. Did they tear it out with talons of steel? And give you a shot so that you wouldn't feel and washed it away as if it wasn't real. Yeah. Have you ever have you ever had like something that you said either on the podcast, on stage, or or on television that you know just completely got misconstrued and you know a group latched onto the which the wrong of what you're saying? Oh yeah. Sure. Happens all the time. Do you have one example <laughs> that's, you can that's, tell us? That's the new world order. Uh, I was singing about abortion one night and <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I did a, I did an interview, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah. And uh, at the very end of the, I was talking about a book, I think, uh, I think it was in 50 years of all be chicks it was a book I wrote about 10 or 12 years ago. And um, I turned out to be right by the way, but I was, doing this interview and at the very end of the interview the guy said uh who's funnier men or women and i said men are funnier but uh you know sarah silverman and kathy griffin are funnier than anyone i went to high school with i mean yeah there's tons of funny women but there's more funny men because men are trying to get laid yes and that's <laughs> uh, you know and you know the answer if someone says, you know, who's funnier, men or women, then you can either say men are funnier, women are funnier, or it's a statistical dead heat, like it's a tie, you know? Yeah. So I said, men are funnier, but that's because there's, we're pushed into it because we're trying to compensate for something. We're trying to get laid, you know, that's the, way, sure. that's the way it works. And then that just turned into Adam Carolla said women weren't funny. And it's, it's followed me around my entire career. Jesus. And so people go, you know, if I ever do a stand-up special or something, there'll always be some bitch online going, hey, he said women weren't funny. He's not funny. You know, it's like, yeah. I never said women weren't funny. 
it's it's insane how just i mean just such a throwaway in in such an interview could be just track to you for everything that you do i mean that's kind of the style of 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 the world today but it's like what we really need to like women we need to realize is that a, a lot of the stuff that we do and we say is to get laid everything i once did the macarena in a cvs parking lot to try to get pussy yeah you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, we've, we've, and this was like after the Macarena craze because all these girls were doing it. And it's like, I got to join in. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, this is also for this song, 1979, when he's writing this and, and giving this kind of opinion, which like he said, is like, there's no uh, pro-abortion, anti-abortion in it. Um, so I, it's just crazy that the National Review. Can we also find uh, the rest of that list, Adam? I would love to know what the number one it's, greatest conservative rock songs it's, are. It's Ted Nugent Stranglehold. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you already. It's all Ted Nugent, one <laughs> through 49. <laughs> one through four. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, I bet you there's at least three on there. There's got to sure. be three Nugent songs on God. there. Yeah, of course. Um, so this song was originally written with a country style arrangement, but producer Jack Nietzsche convinced Parker to slow the song down to reflect the serious subject matter. Parker said the song started as a fairly up-tempo country song until producer Jack Nietzsche realized the lyrics were that heavy. And once he slowed it down, I was like, that was a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I would love to hear this more upbeat and like, you know. Uh, a lyric from this song, everybody else is squeezing out a spark, provided the album title uh, of performing the song live. Parker said it performed the song live in 79. Every night I got off singing that. It was great because the audience loved it. Girls cried and stuff, which kind of gets you into it. And uh, Stephen Rosen of American Songwriter said that You Can't Be Too Strong was maybe his greatest song is the equal of Costello's Allison or anything by Bob Dylan. Um, do you agree with that? Do you agree that this is, for someone that is a fan of Graham Parker, that this is probably one of his greatest songs? It was never it was one that I concentrated too much on. Uh, but uh, thinking about it now and kind of looking back on it and seeing, you know, how it's, you know, 50 years old or coming up on 50 years old. And um, it was sort of prescient and interesting. I, I know yeah. I never, I've never given it a whole lot of thought. There's a million Graham Parker albums. There's a bunch of songs that I like better than you can't be too strong, but it it does it it does illustrate why I liked him. I thought he was interesting. I thought he was sort of thought provoking. I thought he would go places that uh, you know other people weren't other place other he'd go places other bands weren't going. Yeah, you know, and uh, this he does slow it down in this song and kind of strip it down. And I'm like, he was secure enough to do that on a kind of rock rock album, you know. Yeah. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. 
We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table, featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics. They all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Uh, here we go. We've got the, uh, do you have the list, Adam? So I do have the list up and surprisingly, number one is won't get fooled again by the who number two is oh. tax man by the Beatles three sympathy for the devil by the Rolling Stones Four, sweet home, Alabama by Leonard Skinner. And then five okay. would be, wouldn't it be nice by the beach boys? What? Yeah. No, I double checked the list. 30 is, uh, comes up. You can't be too strong by Graham Parker. So this is the list. I get that every like tax man, yes, okay, lyrically, subject mattery, you know, they're they're pro uh anti-government, you know, so calling out the tax man won't get fooled again. I feel like the conservatives, you know, and the liberals are constantly getting fooled. So that song could go back or forth. Do we have a, a like 50 greatest liberal songs? Let me look into that. Maybe it's just uh Maybe it's that won't get fooled again, I think, is at the beginning of like CSI New York or something. Isn't they have that big scream? Yeah, it, yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that for like something CSI? Nine of them, yes. Yeah, maybe it's that the maybe it's conservatives just like that law and order <laughs> type show, you know. CBS dude is the is like the network of the conservative like 60 to 70 year old man, you know, and woman. Yeah. They love those crime shows. They love Mark Harmon. Love oh, Mark Harmon. And uh the, what's his name? Lieutenant Dan. Um Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise. Gary Sinise is pretty conservative dude. It's a good guy, by the way. I've interviewed him a few times, but he's you know all about the veterans and all about mm. America. I think Sinise was a CSI guy. Maybe Daltrey did the scream. Maybe they're just connecting those dots. <laughs> it's just they're like we we love CBS so much that right. It's just it's the theme song from Murder She Wrote's on there. Everything. Um, number one, well, number one's got to be Imagine, I think, for the left left side. What do we got? Uh, what do you got? So, so I found the fifty greatest protest songs, which is pretty close, I would guess, in the terms of the theme. But number one is Rage Against the Machines, Killing in the Name. Okay. Mm. Two is Green Day's American Idiot. Three, Public Enemy, Fight the Power. Four, Gil Scott Heron, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. And then That's number really five is Radiohead's Idiotech. Let's round out the top five. Idiotech. Well, the protest song is not going to be the same as the progressive song, yeah. but but it's close <laughs> enough. The progressive songs, it's all like Sarah McLaughlin and Ani DeFranco. It's just I like think, Barry. I think it's all I think it's, you know, double fantasy John Lennon kind of kind of stuff. Yeah, probably. yeah, yeah. 
Um, all right, what else? Let's see what else on this record. So, like, let's just talk about the opening track, uh, Discovering uh, Japan, because for me, this was the first real Graham Parker song uh, that I've ever listened to. And the song was inspired by his extensive travels, which he quite enjoyed in a 2012 Song Facts interview. He explained, I was on the road a lot and I was just going through this great period, really, where this was now my life of playing music and having a career. I was thinking of myself as successful in touring places like Australia one minute and Japan the next, and then sitting on an airplane in Tehran, wondering if he'll ever take off. Will we take off? Will we live? And um, writing this song, uh, Graham said, sometimes songs just come out easy. Sometimes they don't. Uh, that one was a very difficult song to write. The chord sequences are still, for uh, one of a better word, advanced. This ain't no rhythm, rhythm and blues thing. This is something else altogether. I was breaking some different ground in the rhythmic structures and the whole push-pull of this thing. The way the chords spun around on each other and the lyrics was so totally mysterious that I didn't even understand it myself. Uh, and this was the second single released off the record in the UK two months after the album came out. I thought this was a great song. I thought this was the perfect way to open the album. I don't know what else off of this record you could open the album with. And then Local Girls, great song. Uh, yeah, it's a good riff. Nobody Hurts You, You Can't Be Too Strong. Uh, passion is No Ordinary World. See, this one I really liked. I really liked the ascending chords. Uh, the guitar riff, that was great. Lyrically, uh, this song was described by writer Jeff Cabin as railing against artificially and false emotions. about the song's implications about fake emotion, Parker responded, people are dull, aren't they? People aren't living uh, to their max or to anywhere near it. They're just drones or clones, especially in England. They're just walking zombies. They believe what the TV tells them. They're just put in a direction and led there. So just even what we, we've listened to from the first half of the record, I mean, a lot of those themes are really present in what's going on in the world today. Um, do you have thoughts on any of that? I mean, just on the idea that people are, you know, are dull or, you know, or aren't living into their potential. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that I was attracted to this kind of material because I thought some of the bands and some of the music and some of the artists were kind of dull and it, it didn't feel to me like it was interesting. So Graham Parker was more interesting to me. And a lot of people weren't that interesting to me. And, and I, I think he was right. But he's, I mean, he's kind of cynical, but he's like way too many people just uh, putting too much mayonnaise on too much white bread and eating the same thing for lunch every day. And yeah, life is more interesting than that. Let's let's explore it. A little bit and i felt like that was kind of what i was doing with his music if you look at 
what everyone else in my high school was listening to in 1980. I was the only one listening to Graham Parker because I just thought it was more interesting and there was more out there. Yeah. I mean, Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, a lot of those bands that you mentioned, like, I mean, more of them are considered like corporate rock where it's like it's a formulaic strategy. They're all just kind of imitating uh, you know, what's popular at the time and what will sell. And and this kind of comes across as a little bit more, I don't know, in your face, like a little bit heavier for sure. Uh, and kind of coming off all of the punk that like we talked about earlier, you know, this is, this is definitely much more experimental. Um, I mean, and it's crazy. So what are you like seven? You said you were about 12, 13, 14 years old when this came out. Uh, I was probably like 14, 15 which when this is, came out. Which is like, you know, it's just a little bit, you know, I mean, for a 14, 15-year-old, I guess you could already say it's like where you're going against the grain. You're like, well, if everybody's listening to this, I'm going to listen to this. Um, in, the, in terms of comedy, uh, did you gravitate towards like much more interesting comedy at a young age than opposed to what was popular at the time? Um. It's hard to tell because when I was growing up, you know, George Carlin was big and Richard Pryor was big. And there are a lot of big acts who were mainstream and interesting, you know. So it wasn't like REO Speedwagon was singing about they're going to keep on loving you because it's the only thing they want to do. And I was like, well, that sounds pretty fucking boring, like (laughs) lyrically. But Graham Parker sounds a lot more interesting but George Carlin was one of the biggest stand-up acts out there in the 70s and very interesting. So I was yeah. like, well, you can, you know, it's you don't have to push against whatever's popular. You only have to push against whatever's popular if whatever whatever's popular is shit. And so, you know, In and Out Burger is popular and it's big and it's good. So I don't need to push against in and out burger. Yeah. But and I don't need to push against, you know, musically, I didn't like a lot of the big acts because they, they felt kind of boring to me. But George Carlin, Richard Pryor, they weren't boring, but they were the biggest. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, the lesson for the kids is you don't have to push back against something just because it's big, you know, or popular. You have yeah. to push back against it because it sucks. No, but but so so what is so what is the valley like? You know, in 1979, I mean, it's it's always been kind of this little like offshoot of Los Angeles, where it still has the feel of Los Angeles, but it's much more calm. I mean, like, what is it like growing up in the valley in the late 70s? Just kind of anywhere, USA. Just you know, wasn't much Hollywood to it. You knew. You know, it, it was like you would spot Bob Urich in a supermarket or something, and you'd go, oh, that's Dan Tana. Look at that. Yeah, that was about it. it w- that wouldn't happen in Iowa. But, like, yeah. other than spotting one of the Brady kids at a Gelson's on rare occasion, uh, then it was right back to just, you know, blue collar, sort of working class, you know, boring people, stupid kids, you know, just kind of dysfunction you know the usual the usual stuff you know it's kind of played sports and hung out did you did you know from like an early age that you were going to get into comedy 
No, no, not at all. I had no thoughts about it. I, I was kind of a jock. I, I knew I, I was funny, but uh, that didn't really, you know, I, I come from a place where you don't get to do what you want to do. You have to get a job. Yeah. And job jobs mean work and work means moving stuff. Really? <laughs> Were you a mover? Just my, I just pick up that drywall and move it in the, over there and pick up those boxes and put them in the truck. You know, it's just, I, I'm sort of based on work. I wasn't educated. So, you know, I knew there were lawyers and doctors, but I wasn't going to be a lawyer or a doctor. I was going to move stuff. I was going to move crates or drive a forklift or drive a truck or do construction or dig ditches. You know, it's just it, work meant physically working, yeah. get up and work. <laughs> so you had those jobs, I'm assuming you were I had all those jobs. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I did. And, uh, and, and then comedy was like, yeah, there's such a thing as comedy and there's such a thing as stand up and there's such a thing as TV shows and you are funny, but this is never going to happen because it's you, you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to move stuff. That's, that's basically what, that was the thought process. So you had no, so you had no, in a sense, aspirations of stand up other than like, you know, you knew you were the funny guy. So you had already in your, in your head laid out that you were going to work at a dock somewhere and and do that for the rest of your life. Yeah, I'd be the funny guy on the construction site or, you know, in the kitchen or in the warehouse. <laughs> when, <laughs> I'd be the funny guy there. When did it turn? When did you start getting the 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 inkling to start going towards comedy? I was like I was like in my very early 20s. I, you know, had an apartment with you know, one bedroom with two dudes and no air conditioning and I was, you know, driving a truck with no insurance and you know, making nine bucks an hour, swinging a hammer, using a shovel, you know, and I, and I had no men, I had no uh, medical or dental insurance. I, I had nothing. And I was kind of like, um, I just, I remember thinking, I was like, this is going to be a long life, man. I mean, uh, you know, you like, I like cars. I, I love sports cars. I love race cars. Like, I mean, you're never going to own any of that. You know, yeah. I like building and architecture and, and it's like, you're never going to do any of that. And you're not going to own a home. And, and it, it, it became pretty apparent to me that I, w I wasn't scholastically inclined and that I wasn't going to get anywhere in any kind of corporate world or anything. I could barely read or write and, and that it was going to be construction. And, and I was like, it just feels like a lot of work and like a long life and, and, you know, didn't, didn't seem to be filled with travel or sports cars or cool houses or anything. And I was like, well, I know, I think I could do comedy. I think, I think I'm funny. So why not embark on that journey? And, and maybe in 10 years I could be doing something that didn't involve a hammer or shovel. That, that was about it. That was, but that's as much as I thought about it. So it I just started, I went down that road. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, all to the soundtrack of Graham Parker. Yeah, that's right. Uh, there you go, dude. All right, here, let's do some random facts and uh, we'll get you out of here. So this is the only time we're going to see Graham Parker in the rumor on the 500 list. This also didn't make the cut for the 2020 list. I am not shocked about that at all. Knowing that some of the records that we've gone through didn't make the cut. Uh, 
I could definitely see the, cause all the new list, uh, Adam is all like the younger generation made the new 500 greatest albums list. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, I could definitely see this not being on there. Not saying it doesn't, it deserves it, but uh, nice album reviews. The village voice called this an amazing record in an a plus rated review, adding that Parker's mood, which was narrowed into existential rage with a circumstantial route makes for a perfect untainable, tameable rock and roll uh, and Stephen Thomas from All Music said, this is Parker's finest record, a masterful fusion of pub rock, classicism, new wave pop, and pure vitriol. Um, okay. Nasty album reviews. You want one of them? Sure. Rolling Stone. Dark Lord Rolling Stone. Greel Marcus wrote that the album is no landmark, but nonetheless praised it as an ambitious work that depicted true fear and drama. That's okay. It's okay, (laughs) review. It's not too, too bad. Uh, All right. Yeah, let's do rapid questions. We'll get you out of here. Uh, Dude, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Sure. Uh, And uh, I am glad that I got to experience Graham Parker and the Rumors' finest record. Uh, Favorite song on the record, Adam? Well, the first, the song I heard first was Saturday Night is Dead. And I, I just love that song. I love it. It's just a straight, it's a straight rock song. So uh, I'll I'll go with Saturday Night Is Dead. It, it I you know lyrically it's not great. I mean it's fine. It's not you know nobody hurts you or can't be too strong. But it's just got a good up tempo rock riff to it. So Saturday Night Is Dead would be my my it's vote. Your favorite. All right. Uh, least favorite song on the record. Um, probably. Waiting for the UFOs. I never really cared for that song. Ask everybody this. What song on this record would you fuck to? <laughs> well, not you can't be too strong because I sometimes forget to pull out. Uh, I, I think you'd, well, passion is no ordinary word. Takes a, takes a sort of dark twist at the end. Yeah, it does. Um, protection is, uh, there's a great, uh, there's a great line in protection. If you've heard that song where he goes, it's not the knife through the heart that tears you apart. It's the thought of someone sticking it in. That's yeah, good. And I always think, God, it's true. It's like, it's really just thinking about all this shit that f- really fucks you. It's not really the act. It's the potential walking For sure. around feeling that way. Uh, I will, uh, I will I will go with uh, discovering Japan if in fact it's an Asian woman I'm laying down with. 
Okay. You're into that. All right. You're speaking of which, you know, when my dad died, uh, which is a weird transition for to go from that to that, but we found my dad's box of porn, which wasn't ah. like, which wasn't huge. It was maybe like 10 videos, but it was all Asian eye contact blowjob scenes. Wow. That's all it was. And same with my dad. <laughs> I was like, like father, like son, dude. Perfect. This <laughs> is like, I'll keep those. You can keep the ring, Jody. I'll just, I'll take the box of porn. Um, I, I think I agree. I think, I think, I think this is, if you're going to fuck to anything off this record, just start it at track one. This is, there's sure. nothing that, you know, if you last up until the abortion song, you know, <laughs> that's on you. That's on yeah. you. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or were nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Uh, And last question, do you think this deserves to be on the 500 Greatest Albums list? Well, I do, but I also live in a society where no one knows who Graham Parker is. So, you know, in, in my world, for sure. But uh, again, uh, I've, I understand that uh, sometimes people don't get the, the, the majesty and the genius that is Graham Parker. So uh, for sure for me, but I can't, I can't, can't speak for the rest of society. Well, do when you listen to this record, though, I mean, because obviously it has to be on here for some sort of of influential because it wasn't this huge album. Some of the albums on this list are enormous and because of sales and because of certain songs. That's why it's on there. This is some albums are on there just for what they influenced. Like, I mean, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think maybe the strokes. I could see them being in that that garage rock of the early 2000s, like the hives. Um you know, any of the, the bands, I mean, mm-hmm. like what other bands do you hear when you listen to this record that's come out since? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I think those bands that you mentioned and even some of the, like, I don't know, fastball or something like that, where you hear some of those yeah. nine, uh, 2000s, those are like K rock bands. They're, they're all you know, even when you listen to like No Doubt or something, you'll hear in the 70s, well, you know, with the clash, you'll hear a lot of ska yeah. and upbeat and stuff. You know, if you listen to, you know, No Doubt of, you know, 1997 or something, it, that, that, that's not that much different than a lot of the Pretender stuff and the clash and some Elvis Costello and Graham Parker. You know, it was all there. The bones were all there. Yeah. No, I agree. I definitely agree. Um, This is the cool thing about doing this podcast is, like I said, I never would have listened to Graham Parker. I'm glad I experienced this record. Uh, I don't know personally if I feel like it should be on the 500 greatest albums list, but at least it did kind of spark my interest in wanting to find out more about this guy. If I have to give my rating on this Fleece Army, I'm going to give this Three out of five fleeces. The hits were were good that I really enjoyed. The misses were a little off, but all in all, it was a good listen. It was an easy listen coming in at 40 minutes, man. You can't, you know, put it on. 
put it on, do some housework, and then tell me what you think. Uh, Adam, how many fleeces out of five would you give this? <laughs> um, which Adam? Sorry. You, Adam. You. The, 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 fuck the other guy. The other guy is in the I, back of a comic book store <laughs> in, 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 I think, Oakland. Uh, Santa Rosa, California. So okay, all right. right, right, right. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm, me and Judd Apatow both give it five out of five fleeces. There you go. There you go, dude. I love it, man. And now I, now I have something else to talk to Judd about the next time I see him, uh, which is always exciting. Uh, he put Graham, he put Graham Parker in a movie of his. This is forty. Yeah, I had yeah. that note. One of the songs off of this record. Let me see if I can find it in the notes. We here it is. It was uh, local girls mm-hmm. music video for the song was also created featuring Parker and the rumor performing in a living room set. The band played a version of the song in a concert for Judd Apatow's movie. This is 40, though it didn't make the final version of the film. Graham Parker was all over this movie. Like he acted in it. Which is was crazy. he really? Yeah, he was. He played Graham Parker. Wait, the, I got re- I to rewatch it. You got to rewatch it. That was Graham Parker playing Graham Parker and the guy who was, you know, promoting Graham, trying to get his own record label going and promotions going was trying to get Graham Parker. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. Well, that's I haven't seen that movie in fucking what is it? When did that come out like eight years it's ago? Been, it's been eight or ten years. Yeah. Good God, man. I was in uh, Funny Ooh, People. I was in Funny People, me, Angelo Bowers, Gerard Carmichael, Rel Battle, a bunch of young comics were in, you, they cut, you kind of probably see the back of our heads in the Brody Stevens scene that was cut out. But <laughs> we, we were there uh, and, and Judd's been on for, um, for uh, Jackson Brown, which, uh, you know, was great. So, uh, so, dude, this was great. I mean this sincerely, Adam. I appreciate you taking time out to come on for Graham uh, and being, because we, we, these are one of those, albums that you see on the list you're like who the fuck are we gonna get that knows who graham parker is and dude like we got we got a fucking cool ass dude i mean this so this was great i really appreciate you coming on um anything you want to promote please go ahead i mean just go to amcarola.com and find my podcast and whatever else you want or check out our youtube my youtube page see a bunch of free stand up there perfect dude perfect thank you buddy i appreciate your time dude thanks for having me what did I tell you? What did I tell you? The one and only Adam Carolla, guys. Follow him on social media at Adam Carolla and listen to his podcast, The Adam Carolla Show. For listener shout out, I want to give a big shout out to Fernando Jimenez. He's a listener. He's Fleece Army and he's a guitar player that told me that if my band is being a bunch of kachunkers because they won't learn Outshine by Soundgarden, he's like, I can do it. And so I gave Fernando Jimenez four hours, not even, to come back with Super Unknown, learned and ready to go. And he sent me video proof and he killed it. So follow him on Instagram, Fernando Jimenez at F-F-E-R-N-S. Once again, that's at F-F-E-R-N-S. Thank you, Fernando Jimenez. Uh, you could be a part of the band. Unfortunately, we don't want any members named Fernando unless the last name is Valenzuela. All right, you're in. You're in California. You rule. For new music this week, we have got Sea Power. They're a post-punk revival act from Reading, England, and they had perfectly translated Graham's vibe into a modern sound. 
You're listening to the song Folly off their brand new album, Everything Was Forever, coming out in February. And you can get the music and blah, 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 blah at the website, the500podcast.com. Also want to give a shout out to the band Bad Magic out in Vancouver. You guys rule. Send us music, guys. I want to play it. Launch your careers. Eric Novak, you rule too. Also, Christian in Vancouver, you rule. All the people that came to multiple shoots. Christian Taff, I love it. I should just shout these guys out later. I'll do them on other episodes too because these are, these are the homie supremes. These are fleece army supremes. These are generals in the fleece army. Uh, send us your music, guys. I want to launch bands here, so uh, help us do it. Hope this one's a longie. All right, next week is X week as we go deep into 1981's Wild Gift. I need to start listening to it uh, because it needs to come out, and I have not. I listened to it once. Fuck! You better join the Patreon because uh, you know I need your money. All right, do your homework, Dougal Dougal, stay fleecy.
Lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Next Chapter Podcasts.